Yesterday was music day, today is friend day. You'll notice there's a lot of music being sung this morning. Um, It's not my message, but I would like you to turn to the book of Ephesians. Something that's lacking in believers today. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Amen? So that's what this is about today, and I want to welcome you all. This is Friend Day. Amen? You're welcome here. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 18 and verse 24, it says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So we want you to know that you're welcome here today. We're glad you came. We pray the service be a blessing to your heart. I want you to be encouraged. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just ask you to listen very intently. I'd ask you to either silence your cell phones at this time or turn them off. Okay, If you're, you're a nurse or some other special job requirement with that, then above all, you have to be able to, to know. So if you have to leave, same thing with law enforcement. But we're glad you're here. And we pray, Father, that God will work in our hearts. And I want you to to know if you're here today, and if Christ is your Savior, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, Now therefore we are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. The household of God. I look at that and I go, Amen, Amen, Amen. I don't care what your family life was like you were growing up, I don't know how hard you may have had it or not had it, whether you had good parents or bad parents, whether you had abuse in your life, whether you've had neglect in your life, you need to know there's one that sticketh closer than a brother. The Lord says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. And with loving arms I have drawn thee. We want you to know that's God's desire for each and every person. Amen. It's friend day. You're visiting here today. We want you to know you're our honored guest. Whether you're a first-time visitor or other people visiting, return visitors, you're our honored guest, and we want you to feel that way. We want you to realize that God welcomes you here. Amen? We want you to know that as a Bible-believing, born-again group of people. We are an independent, fundamental, King James, Bible-believing Baptist church, but as born-again believing Christians, we enjoy our relationship with our Savior. Okay, and I'm different. I tell my people that all the time. I am a kook. I am a keeper of odd knowledge. Okay, that's an acronym. Don't think I'm a real kook until you get to know me more, all right? Amen? (laughs) With that, but we want you to know that we enjoy our relationship with our Savior. This is not religion for us. 
Religion is you trying to please a God that you're not sure about and reaching to, afraid that you won't measure up. Relationship is understanding through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you now have a new home, a new family, a new destination, and a new life. In the first epistle of John, towards the end of the Bible, in John chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, These things have I written unto you, that's the Apostle Paul in Scripture, have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And I want you to know any religion that doesn't help you come to know your relationship with Jesus Christ, it's false religion. It's false religion. Pure religion is spoken about in the Scriptures. See, we don't have religion. I'm probably kind of irreligious at times. I don't have a relationship with my Savior based on fear any longer. The fear of the cost of my sin was dealt with many, many years ago. I have, and the people here are part of members of Emmanuel, part of this church family, we have a new relationship based on transformation through Jesus Christ and acceptance. In the second epistle of Paul to the church at Corinth, in chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are, present tense, become, future tense, new. This morning, we're just glad you're here. I want you to turn now to Psalm 32. The main text of our message will be with Psalm 32. We'll read the whole psalm. Psalm, and I'll make my prayer, and then we'll go into the message. Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in the time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Our Bible also tells us in another place, it says, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. If you're here this morning and you've never truly trusted in Jesus Christ alone to save you from your sin and from a devil's hell and to take you to heaven when you die, you can know today that sin is forgiven. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct thee. I will teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit and a bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart.
Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do come now before you and ask, Father, that you take control of my mind and my mouth, the actions of my hands and feet. Lord, we just want to praise you today. And if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they have religion and not that relationship that we're speaking about, we pray today could be the day of salvation for them. For those who are saved, Father, help us to rejoice and not lose the sight, Father, of what we have in you. Lord, so many people today, they are fearful of what's taking place. We as believers should be joyful knowing our expected end. Father, we may be citizens of the United States of America, but Father, more importantly, if we are saved, we are citizens of a far greater country, of your heavenly home. And God, we pray now that you would work in each and every heart. May the Holy Spirit have his will and his way in each and every person that's here and help us to have joy and rejoicing in our relationship with you. Help us not to lose our joy nor lose the shout. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In Luke chapter 19, verse 37, you don't need to turn there. And it says, when he, that's speaking of Jesus, when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of Mount of Olives, this is at the triumphant entry of Jesus before his crucifixion, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. We as believers, of all people, have a reason to rejoice and shout. Does the world, does the world know that? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'll try not to be offensive to you, but I am going to be directly, completely honest with you. The Bible says if you don't know Christ as your Savior and you're trusting in Jesus and your good works and you're trusting in your good works or whatever it might be and your sincerity of your religion, the Bible says you're lost and undone without hope and without God in this world. They don't understand the joy that a believer is supposed to have. And this morning we're going to spend time looking at just some of the reasons we can and can and should shout for joy. Psalm 5 and verse 11 says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. See, joy is not conditioned on our circumstances. That's not real joy. Roy, joy, yeah, Roy. I'm thinking of my son there from Michael Roy Lego. Mike's not here this morning. He got hurt on Friday, and he's in quite a bit of pain. He's home. You know, there's quite a few empty chairs in my mind because I'm a preacher. I count the people who aren't here this morning. We have multiple people home because of sickness and not wanting to bring it in the day and age we live. We have other people who are away ministering this morning that aren't here, others that awaited some special events, and those who went to support them. So we're about 40 people short. Okay? But those of you who are here need to know that we can be joyful in the Lord. You can't get away from that. Our joy is not based on what we're going through at this moment. Our peace 
is not based on the lack of problems and trouble. Because you know what the Bible says? It rains on the just and the unjust, doesn't it? Do you know that bad things happen to good people? And good things happen sometimes to bad people? See, bad people by the world's judgment. You know what the problem is today? The world's calling evil good and good evil. I'll try not to digress too much, but we as a country right now have to be fearful, and we've had our security team on higher alert today simply because of the fact that pro-abortionist groups, I refuse to call them pro-choice because I'll always choose life. Pro-abortionist groups are burning and promise to attack churches and birth centers. What I mean by that, you can go to a place, they're known as abortion centers. There are pro-life groups who will help that person go through all the struggle that comes from giving birth. They won't leave them, they continue to help them. And they've been, many of them have been burned in this country in the last three weeks. In the major cities, I believe it was in Oregon, there was 20-some-odd people arrested. One, for trying to beat a policeman to death, who was just trying to cause orderly progression. It's okay in this country to protest. I have no problem with anybody protesting. As Christians, we have a right, you know, when we go to the street corners, you know what we're doing? We're protesting the world. So that's a normal thing, and that's okay. But we live in a divided country, in a divided world. And that which used to be called good is now being called evil. And that which is evil in God's eyes is now being called good. And because of people seeing that, you know what's happening to many believers? They've lost their joy. They've lost their shout. And they're looking too much at the world and not enough at their Savior. Not enough at heaven. Not enough at the glories of God. It's interesting today how things are taking place. People can't have disagreements or public discourse. You don't have to agree with me. I want you to know that. I'm comfortable in that. You can disagree with me. I'm always right. You're always wrong. Just kidding. Okay? Just kidding. But we need to understand that the Lord is working in our lives. We need to realize that there's a reason for shouting. Think about this. The first two verses of our text this morning in Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. Your transgressions, going against the law, that's what sin is, are forgiven. In the Old Testament, their sins were covered in God because Jesus Christ hadn't paid the full price for them yet. But we live in a day and age because we are past Christ's suffering on the cross. Christ's going 
into the grave and his soul going into hell to get rid of the sins he took from us. And we're past his resurrection. We now live in the resurrected Christ. Our sins are removed. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, it says this in the Holy Scriptures, For He, speaking of God the Father, hath made Him, speaking of Jesus, for He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The righteousness of God in Him. Turn to, we're going to come back to Psalm 32, our main text, but turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Let's start at verse 8. The Lord is merciful. One of His primary attributes of the God of heaven and earth is mercy. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. The east and the west don't meet. Every word of God is pure. He didn't say as far as the north from the south. And I use this in witnessing to people. You can travel north as far as you can go. You get to the North Pole. You continue traveling. You're now going south. You travel as far south as you can and all of a sudden you're at the South Pole and now you're traveling north. North and south meet. But if you start traveling east, you can go around this world 25,000 times. What direction are you still going? East. And he says he separated us from our iniquities as far as the east is from the west. I don't know about you, but I love that verse. I got it marked in my Bible. If you don't, you need to. Because the accuser of the brethren will come and he'll try to pull you down and tear you down and make you think you've got to live in that and make you think you're afraid that there's no forgiveness with God. You ever notice how children, when they do wrong, they're still part of the family. They belong to God. Okay? They belong to the parents. And they do something wrong and they start hiding and they get afraid and they don't want to make eye contact. Did they stop being God's child? Did they stop being your child? You say, why do you call them God's child? Because before a person comes to the understanding of the age of accountability, God's got them. In the family. God wants to bring healing. And He wants the right relationship. And kids will get afraid to talk to their parents. Why? Because something has come in and they're fearful of judgment. If they just be honest, seek the forgiveness, what happens? If you're a good parent, like God, His mercy endureth forever. Mercy endureth forever. So there's a reason for shouting. Again, he separated us from our transgressions. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 38 and verse 17, he says, Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou, speaking of God, thou in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. If you're here this morning 
and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your sins are between you and a holy, righteous God. You don't measure up for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's physical death. That's spiritual death eternally in hell in the lake of fire. Why do I say that? Because the Bible teaches that. But when you come to Him through Jesus Christ, Jesus says, All those that come unto Me, I will in no wise cast out. There's always a place for you with Him. A place of forgiveness and acceptance when you trust Him alone. Cast all my sins behind thy back. Turn to the little book of Micah. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Go to Micah 7. I'm giving you three things. You know the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a what? A matter be established? I'm giving you three passages that guarantee that God separates you from your sin. Micah chapter 7. Look at verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and will cast all their sins into the what? The depths of the sea. Think about that. When you come to Christ, He separates you because Jesus became sin for you. That you might become the righteousness of God in Him. And when you trust Him alone as your Savior, not trusting in your good works, your religion, or your sincerity, but in Him, and His shed blood on Calvary's cross, He takes your transgression, your sin, your iniquity, and puts it on His Son. For He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Don't ever lose sight of that. The Bible says, For scarcely for a righteous man would some dare die, but God commendeth His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it goes on speaking about because of His death much more than because of His life, His resurrection, we're not going to face the wrath to come. He takes and separates you from your sin as far as the east is from the west. He takes and casts it behind His back. And you know what's behind His back? The sea of forgetfulness. He throws it over there behind Him. And one, you have to see Him. He doesn't want you to continue to look at your sin. Isn't that what we do when we get caught in something? We keep looking at it. It makes us more fearful. Now, believer, you've been saved from that. But you know, believers still sin sometimes? Me? Daily. Say, so, well, you're a horrible preacher. <laughs> Just like you. Amen? The difference is, between me and a lost person, as I'm now God's Son through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. They've never come and become part of His family. They have not been born again. They have not been adopted into that family. 
If you're here without that, we want you to come to him. I didn't say become a Baptist. I said become a child of God through Jesus' sacrifice for you. The depths of the sea. You know what that's for? That's so that when you give it to Him, 1 John 1.9, if we written to believers, not to lost people, so if you're here this morning, you're visiting and you're saved, I want to encourage you. Don't let your sin keep you from coming to your Father on a daily basis. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to what? And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oop, I got it. It's at the bottom. And when you see sunshine on the water, you know what you can't do? You can't see through it. All it does is reflect back the sun's shine. You get my picture? Amen. That's our reason for shouting. I can always come to Him. Always come to Him. Back in our text, in Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4, we see a hindrance to this shouting and praising God. It says, When I kept silence, my bones wax old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, my moisture is turned into drought of summer. He kept silence. Bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. I helped my neighbor save man. He's not here today. He's still trying to finish his roof. Okay? I went over to help him, and I was going to hand him stuff. And pretty soon, I wasn't just handing him stuff. I was on the scaffolding, tearing stuff off the side of the roof. And then pretty soon after that, now I got a brace on both knees, a strap on my back, but I'm strong. Okay? Next thing I know, I'm on the roof. And it's 87 degrees in the shade. And we're putting down a foil that reflects back all the heat. So I was working from 9.30, 10 o'clock until 7 o'clock at night. And I almost passed out on the roof. And I started hurting so much. And I, I drank a lot of water. I hadn't eaten, but I tried drinking a lot of water. But I kept getting dehydrated. You know, that's what's talking about here. Ever think about this in a spiritual sense? For night and day thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I got, you sometimes, believer, you know what happens to you? You get spiritually dehydrated. You with me? It says, my roaring all the day long. That's because you know what happens? Your sin, believer, when you don't give it to God, will dry you out. It'll dry you out. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 6. Because he says his hand was heavy on him. For whom the Lord loveth, he what? He's a good daddy. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, where all of our partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Yeah, that's in your Bible. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? 
For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partaker of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemed to be, seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down in the feeble knees. And make straight the paths for your feet. Let that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Not be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. Moisture turned to the drought of summer. Hopefully it won't be this year, but a lot of times by August, you know what happens to the lawns? The only thing growing are the, the weeds. The grass is dried up. It's turned brown. It's withering, you know, because we live in a country, we don't put sprinklers in our lawn, do we? We want God to sprinkle it. Okay? If you have an area you want green, you've got to go out and make sure it's watered. But most of the time, we don't bother with that. And, you know, that's just the way that is. My place looks beautiful until it gets dried up. Every beautiful color goes gray. You know what happens, believer, when you hang on to your sin and you're kind of running from the Lord's chastening? The beautiful colors in your life kind of go gray. You get dehydrated. I'm different. I understand. I got dehydrated. All of a sudden, my muscles didn't want to work right. Started hurting. I was. I turned around and my hands were cramping up, and then I got spasms in my calf, and then my quadriceps, and then then my gluteus maximus. My butt hurt. Symptoms of dehydration. Look at these in a spiritual sense, okay? <laughs> Why does he talk this way? Constipation. Natural processes don't work right. Chronic fatigue syndrome. Because the blood gets thicker, you can't move as much. When your heart, believer's not right with God, you know what happens? You get tired out faster. How about a headache? I was trying to say, okay, what's the reason for a headache with dehydration? It's because your brain starts to dry out too much, and when it does, clinically, it starts to shrink in its membranes, and they are partially attached to your skull. And it starts pulling away from the skull, and pain develops. That's a headache caused by dehydration. Now, I've never suffered from this, just as Pastor Kinney. The fifth one is brain fog. <laughs> it doesn't get foggy, it just turns dark on me. I want you to know that right now. You get distracted with loss of concentration. What's that word I was trying to remember? Hmm? You know what happens? You start drying out. Your neurotransmitters, the synapses in your brain, need water fluid to work properly. And it just gets kind of foggy up there. They require water to operate. And you don't have the right level. 
Now, this one never happens to me either. You ready? Irritability. My wife is out trying to help my grandchildren. My daughter and son-in-law are making a trip for their anniversary, so Judy's out there to drive my grandchildren to different places in Rockford for work and then for training and other things. So you get insomnia. And when you have insomnia, you know what you are? You're more prone to mood swings. Hey, believer, you hear me? And then you're more prone to complete forgetfulness. Because, you know, you're sitting there, you got headache, you got cramps, you got brain fog, and you're going, I'm too tired to even deal with this. Just leave me alone. You have extreme thirst. I thought this was interesting. You let it go too long, you know what happens? Your lips crack and your hands crack. So it becomes hard to communicate properly. Spiritually. Woe is me. I am undone. I have a man of unclean lips. Dry eyes. I can remember a time I dealt with a person in the ministry, a council of pastors, and he's going, I've lost my tears. And I said, I didn't want to hurt anymore. I didn't want to carry other people's problems. I didn't want it to affect me. I just wanted to give them the Bible and give them the Scriptures to help them. And he says, and all of a sudden, I become very ineffective. And even though I'm giving them the right passages and I'm giving them the Scriptures and I'm trying to explain it to them, my heart wasn't in it. So they didn't accept it. And I had told God, I'm tired of crying. I'm tired of the tears. Pastor Legault, how do I get them back? How do I get them back? Well, real men don't cry. Well, then Jesus was a sissy. And he's more of a man than anyone sitting in here. Because my Bible says Jesus wept for those that he loved. He wept. How about this one? <laughs> bad breath. You get physically dehydrated, you get bad breath. Think about that. You get spiritually dehydrated, you have spiritual what? Because his words are no longer sweet tasting to you. Bad breath. You know what happens? The saliva, natural disinfectant to kill the bacteria in your mouth. If you go with bad breath long enough, you know what happens? The bacteria destroys your teeth. And then you can't take in and eat properly. Like taking in your Bible. It went on, and there's others. There's 20 of these, but I'm not giving you all of them. It talks about an elevated heart rate caused by blood pressure changes because your blood gets too thick. And so then all of a sudden, your, your breathing becomes too hard physically when you're dehydrated. Spiritually. See, God's got to get your heart. But when you're dehydrated, that heart's working overtime in the flesh. I thought this was interesting. I think, yeah, I'll use this as the last one. 
Yep, I'll use this as the last one. It says there's difficulty in losing weight when you get dehydrated because the water is needed for the proper physical metabolism. To this Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me, for you are meek. I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Hindrances to shouting. God has an answer to your dehydration. Now physically, you know what it means? Drink water. I wish my Bible said drink Pepsi. Because I like Pepsi. I'll drink Coke, but I like Pepsi. I was at Bree's graduation yesterday. I drank two Pepsis. I did. My wife wasn't there to tell me no. Turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 37. I mean, Gospel of John, chapter 7. If you got 37, wrong book. John 37. You still with me? John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37. I think only Psalms has 37. Oh, Isaiah 66, yes. I need a drink of water. I'm not singing about coffee pots. John chapter 7, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, out of the, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. You know one of the things to restore the proper shout? Is take in God's water. Open your heart to the work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God in your heart. The Holy Spirit is that living water to your soul. That Holy Spirit is what separates religion from relationship. Back to Psalm 32. We're almost getting there. I've just finished my introduction. I'm just kidding. Psalm 32, the return of our shout. You've got to shout because you're a born-again child of God. Sometimes it's hindered. You need the Holy Spirit to work more in your life to bring back the shout. How many of you, and I won't ask you to raise your hands, have ever gotten the place, you're saved, and you took your eyes off the Lord, you looked at the world too much, you got involved in something you shouldn't have, or you got angry about somebody else being involved in something they shouldn't have, and you took your eyes off the Lord, and you got frustrated, you started to draw back. And then God brought something into your life, whether it be an encouragement from special meetings, or from something going wrong that God's chastened you, and you all of a sudden realize... God's doing this. And you turn back to Him and say, Lord, forgive me. Help 
me again to listen to your spirit. Psalm 32 and verse 5. I acknowledged my sin. See, the return of our shouting. And my iniquity I have not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And when you do, what does he do? And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. We already said, as far as the east is from the west, behind his back and in the depths of the sea. It's not hidden any longer. See, only the truth makes free. Jesus said unto those Jews that followed him, If you continue in my word, you shall be my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I've already quoted it once, but again, can you quote it with me? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, You can't cleanse an unsaved person because they're in their sin. A saved person is they allow the flesh to be made filthy by the sin can be cleansed. If you haven't been washed in the blood, the sin's not going to be taken. Look at the the last part of that verse. Psalm 32 and verse 5. And thou forgavest, what? The iniquity of my sin. Next we see our protection and direction in our shouting. You ever seen people who are shouting, they're angry, they're mad, and it just sounds like a voice of confusion? And you have others. Do you know that when they're singing this morning, the people, they weren't, they weren't singing in a um, speaking tone? It wasn't conversational singing. It was elevated and made soft. There was inflection. There was tonal change. There was volume change. There was word change. And it was heard clearly because God's not the author of confusion. He gave us all my iniquity. Look at verses 7 and 8. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee. This is God speaking here through the psalmist. In the way which thou shalt go, I will guide thee with mine eye. In the storms of trouble, in the storms of temptation, in the storms of persecution, songs of deliverance, and God will guide you. You understand this, believer? I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I give you two verses out of 2 Timothy. We're getting close to the end. Can you believe that? Andrew said, Pastor, is this going to be a little shorter because I want to sing a few more songs? And I said, don't worry about it. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 24. It says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the what? Truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Instruction, teaching, 
Because of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 16 of chapter 3. Right there. All Scripture is given by what? And is profitable for doctrine. That's teaching. For reproof. Telling you what you did wrong. For correction. Telling you how to make it right. For instruction in righteousness. How to continue living right after you've had the correction. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. See, the Holy Spirit is our guide. You don't need to turn there. But in John chapter 16, in verse 13, Jesus, giving the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit, says, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. And He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He's our guide. When we don't know the way, follow the guide. You don't have to know the way, believer, to have the shout. You have to know the guide. There's a difference. I went out west hunting. And I won't, Terry Long, I promise. I went out west hunting and I had to learn to ride a horse before we went. That poor horse. He used to be a humpback stallion and now he's a swayback. <laughs> the guide that took us, we were in the mountains hunting and we'd leave in the dark. And he says, just let your horse follow my horse. Because I know where we're going. I'm walking with a horse on pathways a foot to a foot and a half wide with a 150 foot drop off the side. And I go, I hope this guide and this horse knows what they're doing. You know, sometimes that's your Christian life. We'd go up in the dark We'd hunt on the mountaintop and in the ravines and the gullies. And then after dark, we'd get back on the horse and ride down the mountain. It's one thing to ride up the mountain when you're looking towards the peak. It's another thing to come down into the valley when you don't know how fast it's going to stop. And he said, just lay back on your horse your guide will bring you home. I want you to know this morning, we can shout because when we don't know the way, we have one who does. Amen? And the admonition for shouting in our text tells us in verse 9, be not as the horse or the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit in bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Just quickly, I want to understand, you know what happens? Sometimes, now I said, I had to ride a horse, but the guide was leading the horse. Okay? Horses can be skittish. If you're nervous, they're nervous. If you're calm, eventually they will be calm. Do you nothing shakes your guide? He knows the end from the beginning. He knows every moment of your life, from your birth to right now, to your death, to the second coming, to the end of the millennial reign, to eternity. He knows the way home. 
Don't be skittish as the horse. And don't be as the mule. What's more stubborn than a mule? Besides Baptist pastors, nothing I know. Think about it. Don't be as the horse or the mule. Trust your guide. You can continue to shout. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but to he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall what? Compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Please stand. Today, it's a friend day. Someone's invited you here. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and they're saved, they're not only your friend, they're your brother or sister in Christ. Because it's a relationship. If you aren't saved, you can be today. God is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He wants to save you today. If you're here today, you're not sure if you were to die, that heaven would be your home. The Bible teaches you can be sure. It's not a hope so. It's not a maybe so. And you have a friend who loves you and wants you to be the place where you can know so. In a moment, we're going to sing an invitation hymn. If you're not sure you'd die today, that heaven would be your home. You've been trusting in anything other than just the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the gospel message is repentance towards God and faith towards Jesus Christ. You come and we'll have them show you from the Word of God. We'll have a man with men and boys and a woman with lady and girls. How that you can know that you have eternal life. Believer, this morning... Have you been suffering from a little bit of dehydration? Maybe you need to come. See, dehydration can start and it's a little bit of a problem. And you get a little thirsty. And your eyes get a little dry. And you get a little bound up. And you get a little tired. But God says unto you, I can restore your needed water. God does not bind God the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, all those that come unto Me, I will in no wise cast out. I don't care if you're saved or lost. You come to the Savior. You're honest before Him. He will give you more of Him. My wife and I are approaching 48 years. Okay? We just went through 47. We're in our 48th year. When you get to the 47, you're going to the 48th, right? If I got that right, because you women will tell on me and Judy will correct it. You know what we keep working on? Having a more and more and more intimate relationship with each other. In the whole of it. Not just in the world's ideal of intimacy. Do you know what God wants for you, believer? 
He doesn't want you dry. He doesn't want you to have cracked lips. He doesn't want you to have a dry mouth where you can't speak and it's hard. He doesn't want you to have dry eyes where you cannot be touched because our Savior was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We ought to be touched with the feeling of other people's infirmities. If a brother be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore so to one in the spirit of meekness, knowing ye yourselves likewise also can be tempted. If God speak in your heart, some have come. Is it been a little dry? Maybe you need a little bit more of that living water. God will give it. God says, Come. If Jesus is speaking to your heart, are you willing to come? He wants us to be able to rejoice and continue to shout to a lost and dying world that a Savior has come and that there's room at His cross for them. Because once you're His, there is room in heaven for you let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, ye may be also. You can know through Him. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the opportunity to preach Your Word. I thank You for these people who have come this morning. And help us to know, Father, Jesus is the friend of sinners. He's the Savior of all who come to Him. Help us, Father, to rejoice and shout the truth of your amazing grace and your free salvation in the only one who can save a soul. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. For in his name we pray. Amen.